Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. That is right, my friends. You've tuned in to America's Home for Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. It is a pleasure to be here. And as Rush used to say, it doesn't matter where here is as long as I am here with you. Although I will tell you we're wrapping up our final little stint in Sarasota. We'll be heading a little bit west for a while near Okeechobee. It's not actually not in Okeechobee. It's near Okeechobee. So we'll be there for a bit, and then um, we'll update you on some some other changes as well. If you want to find out more information about where we are, I've got to get better. I'll be honest with you. We've got so many things going on here, but um, community.toddhuffshow.com, you'll see we'll post some pictures and some updates. I'm thinking of some point of doing a podcast specifically about the journey as well, maybe with, uh, maybe with my wife and who knows, maybe a kid or two will pop on there. As well, but anyway, we're not. That's just something I'm, I'm entertaining. Community.toddhuffshow.com. It's good to be here, folks, and uh, let's get let's get right to it this morning. Um, so I saw yesterday this the drama. The drama never stops. In fact, I have called the Democrats today's Democrat Party dramacrats, and I think that that's a very appropriate term to use for them now. When I say that, this, when I say this or that, I don't, I'm not referring to rank and file. I'm referring to some rank and file because candidly, some of the rank and file are, well, completely and utterly crazy as well. But that is still not the majority of Democrats in the Democrat Party. And there's a couple of reasons for that. I've gone through this before. I don't want to belabor this, but some Democrats are single issue voters. They might be a teacher who's conservative on lots of principles. They believe in the Republican Party platform by and large, but because they're a member of the teachers' union, a lot of folks uh, think that the only way they can save their jobs is to vote for Democrats. Same thing for union Democrats as well. was raised by a union Democrat, and, um, you know, he's – my family's conservative in most – most ways, um, but because of those issues, because of the belief or fear or whatever, the idea, the thinking that says Republican, uh, the Republican Party is for the business at the expense of the quote-unquote little man, that's a belief that some of these, uh, a lot of these Union Democrats have. They may be pro-gun, pro-life, pro-free speech, um, pro-First Amendment, you know, all that stuff, and still vote Democrat because of the single, the single issue. Now, same thing with pro-choice. You can go on down the list. There's a lot of single-issue Democrats. Um, it's really a hodgepodge. It's a, it's a it's a hodgepodge of, of groups. Sometimes groups that are diametrically opposed to one another in a lot of ways, but yet they 
they kind of own. The Democrat Party owns a single-issue voter. So I don't want to – that's just to give you context of what I mean uh, by this. But there are Dramacrats as well, and the Dramacrats are elected officials in the Democrat Party. The Dramacrats focus on political theater. They focus on – fear-mongering. They focus on identity politics. And I want to say I'm not giving Republicans a free pass on this as well. Um, That happens amongst some Republicans also. In fact, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger right now, they're, I mean, they're up to their necks on this January 6th commission. And that's really what I want to, what I want to talk about here is I'm having issues loading. I've had, I've had internet problems here uh, in Sarasota it seemed fine early on, but we've had issues as, as of late. Nothing that's been completely detrimental. It's just been a little bit uh, slow and cumbersome here as of late. So let me try another way here to get um, to get this story pulled up and talk about it. So January 6th commission, January 6th panel or whatever they're calling this, it's it's all for theater. Um, of course, their job, it's not it's not real. It, first of all, it is not real. Trump is not is not guilty of <laughs> causing an insurrection. It, I chuckle at the thought of this. It, it's beyond ridiculous what we're being subjected to here. It is, again, political theater, and it's bad political theater, but it's effective to some people. It, it steers the narrative, right? I mean, when you make really serious allegations, namely that the former president of the United States, who at the time was still the current president of the United States, was trying to you know, lead a coup to overtake the government, that's a pretty serious allegation. And so if you think that that's ridiculous, as I do, Forget that I do. It just flat out is ridiculous is what this is. It's it's patently absurd to think that a group of people, unarmed people, who, by the way, some of which have broken the law and are facing the consequences for that, um, none of which, although I did see one person I think has finally been charged with sedition, I believe. But that's the only one because they said this has been an insurrection and none of those, no, no one has been charged with that. Very... In most cases, minor, which I'm not excusing. Please don't misunderstand. I, I've from day one said that uh, the folks that did that out of whatever happened on that day, and there's a lot of questionable things that happened that day, or things that should make us scratch our head. In particular, things like Capitol police officers letting people in, and I mean all sorts of things that you, make you scratch your head. But there were still people that were violent. There were still people that did things that they shouldn't do. And those folks should absolutely, I don't care their political party. I don't care if they listen to this program. I don't care if they listen to NPR, Don Lemon, Chris Tough Guy Cuomo, wherever you listen to him nowadays, since he's not at CNN. I don't care if you're guilty of breaking a crime. I really call me old fashioned folks, but I still believe in lady Liberty, lady justice, whatever, holding the scales with the blindfold on. Say, give me the facts, give me the information, and let me decide what the proper course of action is. Don't don't let me become preoccupied or focused on the identity of the person. Whatever that is, don't care. Makes literally no difference to me, and it shouldn't make any difference to anyone else as well. Now, context matters. 
context matters on everything. Um, and, and so there needs to be an opportunity for context to be presented. But once that's done, none of that other stuff matters. But it does for the Dramacrats. That's, that's where we are today. You know it. I know it. Thankfully, more and more people seem to be catching on as well. But it's still, they're still hanging on to hope. Because again, as we've said, this is an election year. They know they're in a world of hurt. They actually are terrified of President Donald J. Trump. By the way, over the weekend, Trump was in Arizona beginning his rally, right? Doing his rally speeches uh, again. And be prepared. This is going to be coming more and more frequently as we get into you know, election season. This is an election year, not a presidential election year, but you know, Trump is going to be campaigning for people who are uh, conservative, Republican supporters of him, right? Some some combination of those things. He's going to be out there campaigning for these folks, and you're going to see him doing that more and more frequently. The left knows. The left knows they have a massive problem in a lot of ways. They've got the problem of the inept uh, – ineptitude, I guess, of President Joseph R. Biden and the Democrat Party. In fact, we have a group of senators now that have written Democrat senators. Now, of course, Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin are on that list, but there's three or four others as well. Democrat senators that are being critical of the Biden administration as it pertains to its handling of COVID-19, which, folks, this goes to show that the wheels are coming off even within the Democrat Party, which, of course, we knew. You know because you listen to this program and you pay attention this shouldn't come as a surprise but this is the direction that people are drifting to as they wake up to the realities of the 2020 midterms they know that they're in a major major mess you know you've got history the history of what happens in midterm elections the fact that's that's on the republican side you've got the way that some of these congressional districts are going to be picked up in certain states and redrawn in certain states that is going to be largely on Republican side. You've got the state of the economy, which is clearly on the Republican side. The Democrats have, well, two ways of looking at this. They have no idea how to implement policies that help the economy, or they know exactly what they're doing, which is to try to harm an economy so that they can engage in something like, I don't know, the Great Reset to move America far, far, far ultra-left, uh, maybe even um, you know, with some... Some, some intentions for globalism as well. So w- whatever the case, they haven't helped the average person. Inflation is at a 40-year high. Um, real earnings haven't kept up with inflation for a lot of folks. Um, Biden's approval ratings, I think, are at a n- negative 20. So his negative uh, opinion, the pe- people's negative opinions of Biden are 20% higher than those who hold positive opinions of Biden, his approval rating in one of these recent maybe Rasmussen polls, maybe, maybe it wasn't Rasmussen. I think, it, I think it was, but I'm not sure. It was 33%, 33% approval rating. That means Democrats are fleeing, fleeing, jumping overboard here on the, well, I've said train wreck and dumpster fire for the Biden administration. Now it's a sinking ship in this analogy. They're jumping overboard. They want nothing to do with this. And so 
there's a lot of gamesmanship being played by the Democrat Party. And one of the games being played is what's happening with the January 6th commission. And the January 6th commission wants to keep the narrative on anything besides those things I just talked about because that's bad for Democrats. And it also, it also theoretically in their minds, they're hoping anyway, it's bad for Trump. So listen to this headline and we'll get into this next segment. January 6th panel member floats 14th Amendment as a way to bar Trump from from holding office. This is Jamie Raskin, a leftist here on the January 6th commission set up by the Dramacrats in Washington, D.C. for some good political theater. This is designed this – is, this is utilizing government for campaigning purposes. Oh, I mean, that's what this is. This, this is nonsensical – we had cities burnt in places to the ground, right, over the past few years. No Democrat was held responsible for that, even though they were out there saying ludicrous things. I remember CNN standing in front of a blaze with a headline on their screen that said – Something about mostly peaceful protest. It was in Kenosha, maybe. I don't even know where. It doesn't matter where it is. It doesn't matter what it does for the people that live there. But, I mean, it could it could be anywhere because the same mentality, the same mentality was uh, had the entire time in response and in regards to these things. No one was ever held accountable. In fact, Biden said Antifa is just an idea. Remember this? I mean, the stupid stuff we've got to put up with. Antifa is just an idea. Meanwhile... We see people in certain cities getting assaulted and attacked, having to flee inside buildings to escape literal assault. But that's just an idea, people like Joseph R. Biden will tell you. But Donald Trump is single-handedly responsible, says the Democrat Party, the January 6th Commission, for what happened on January 6th, 2021, just a little over a year ago. Just a, By the way, we're almost to the one-year part uh, Point of Biden's administration. And it has to be. It has to be in by all measures, any measure you can think of. I mean, even you know, with Obama, we had the coolness factor. At least some people could think Obama was cool. This president doesn't even have that. He can't even, he doesn't have a good jump shot. <laughs> he doesn't make people faint when he speaks. Now he makes people fall asleep when he speaks. I've heard him do that. In fact, I remember. People listening inside their cars during the campaign falling asleep and their heads hit the horn honk as they were, were listening to Joseph R. Biden rally his dozens of people in, a, in the audience, which we're not even sure there were any people out there. It was maybe just empty cars for all we know. Meanwhile, Trump was filling stadiums, tens of thousands of people. People had to be turned away, lined up down the street. I mean, just remarkable stuff. And Biden, we're told, got... 80 million votes or whatever. I, I don't whatever the, the narrative is here. But this January 6th commission is designed to keep any of that stuff from resurfacing. Of course, with the complicity of the media, with uh, just everything else that they have in their favor uh, as well, to keep to keep things focused on anything that might help them, which candidly they're running out of things. And so now they're literally trying to bar Trump. Considering barring Trump for running for, for, uh, for running for office again, this is how badly they fear this man. I'm going to read the uh, part of the 14th Amendment next segment that this pertains to. Going to give you a little bit of context, talk about that, 
Also reminds me that the context will get us into Lincoln. I've got some some thoughts about that as well. But timeouts in order, my friends. Democrats are literally trying to make it illegal for Trump to run as president in 2024. That's how terrified they are of him. So when they're out there telling you they look forward to a rematch between Trump and Biden, heck, maybe even Trump and Hillary, remember what they're really doing here. Trying with all their might to find a way for President Trump to be to make him an illegal candidate in 2020, which is 2024, I should say, which is remarkable because in their minds, there's no such thing as illegal voters. You can be an illegal alien and cast your vote, probably illegal, illegal alien and run for office. If you listen to some of these wackos in the Democrat Party today, but Trump's the one Trump's the one person that we've got to ban because he was involved in trying to overthrow the United States government, so goes the narrative anyway, which is, of course, patently absurd. Quick time out, my friends. Back here in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. By the way, by the way, we're getting to that time of year. In fact, you may be at that point already, having had received your uh, your W. Twos or whatever other tax paperwork you need to begin the process of filing your taxes. If you, maybe you're already to that point, maybe you need some time to get some things together. Um, who knows? Maybe you're one that has to file later in the year. Whatever your particular circumstance, if you're looking for someone to help with your taxes, consider our friends at Midwest Tax Group. Jody and his team have been helping my family and I. In fact, I think I think it's been over 10 years, maybe 12. I, I'm pretty sure he did our other business the entire time we had it, and I think I started that in 2009. And we may have even been a year or two before that. So it's been, I would say, 12 years or so. Um, Midwest Tax Group. MWTaxGroup.com is the website if you want to check them out. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I would, if you're looking for someone to help with your taxes, consider reaching out to the folks there, mwtaxgroup.com. Be sure you tell them you heard about them here on the Todd Huff Show. So let's get back to this story. The left is trying to <laughs> use the 14th Amendment of the Constitution to ban Trump from ever running for president again. That's how scared they are for to see him on the ticket again because they they know they don't have much of a chance for 2022 as it is and they know that the energy and momentum and and just there's still a lot of a lot of support for donald j trump this doesn't happen to presidents that um lose elections right this isn't the way that this is supposed to work they are up against something that they folks they don't have an answer for this they i mean uh <laughs> They they don't have an answer to deal with this movement. They they just don't. And they're running out of ideas. So they want to stop him. They just this is it. They they want to stop him from running. So they're trying to cite the 14th Amendment, or they're going to consider citing the 14th Amendment through this January 6th make-believe commission here. Section three in particular, it reads as follows: No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office civil or military under the United States or under any state who 
these are wordy. These are, you know, amendments to the Constitution. Sometimes they get a little wordy. So hang in there. Having who having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as any member or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to the support uh, to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged. Here's the key part in insurrection. Oh, now we suddenly know why they've been, <laughs> they've been using this phrase. They demand that you use the phrase insurrection, even though no one's been, only one person, I think. And that was sedition. Um, no one's been charged with anything remotely close to this, but they keep using the phrase insurrection, just like they used the phrase collusion back in 2016. Um, but here they go, engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such disability. So basically what this means is if you were – an off a member of Congress, president, you held office, and you engaged in insurrection and rebellion against the United States of America. You can't run, you can't run for office unless. But Congress retains the right um, by a supermajority, two thirds vote of each house to to say, yeah, this person can run. Now, of course, there's not the votes to do that. Uh, but someone is – this representative um, – I forget which one I, I mentioned before the break. Ra, uh, Raskin, I think. Yeah, Jamie Raskin has said, well, maybe we should we should enact this. Now, let me give you a little context for what this is. This, this is an amendment that was ratified, which meant it was actually enacted, on July 9th, 1868. So do you know – this was Reconstruction era. This was the era following the Civil War in the United States of America. So this was written with something very, very uh, relevant and fresh in the minds of Americans at the time, which was coming through literally the Civil War, right? So when they use the phrase insurrection or rebellion, they're – their frame of thinking at the time was the Civil War, the Civil War. So Jamie Raskin here is comparing the insurrection. Add this to your list of things, right? Kamala Harris has compared it to 9-11, which is absurd, and December 7th, 1941, if any liberals listening who went to the public education system, that would be Pearl Harbor Day. I'm kidding, but just a little bit. Um, and then on top of that, on top of that, we now have a direct reference. We're, we're comparing this to the Civil War. Now, for those of you that are history buffs, you, you know that in and around the city of uh, the district of, of Washington, D.C., within a short drive, you can see a lot of Civil War battlefields, right? There were a lot of battles that took place in that part of the country. In fact, Gettysburg itself is not too far, maybe 90 minutes or two hours, something like that. I'm looking at Oz here because we went there. Anyway, um, so to compare, <laughs> to compare these things is is patently absurd. Now, what's interesting here, what's, I, I was thinking about this today or yesterday. The president, president during the time of the Civil War, as we know, was Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln was elected in 1864, 
1860, served the term. That was largely the Civil War. I mean, the Civil War was from 1861 to 65. Um, People saw this coming. Lincoln was elected. People had a lot of faith, and Lincoln did some miraculous things to hold this, this union together. He won election in 1860. He won re-election in 1864, which was at the very end of the Civil War, just months. In fact, his they they assumed office a little bit later uh, back in those days instead of um, – I think it was in March. I'd have to look. Um, and he was assassinated. Lincoln was assassinated on April 15th of 1865, just shortly after the end of of the Civil War. Now, his vice president for this, his second term was a gentleman by the name of Andrew Johnson. Andrew Johnson, you may not know this, was actually a Democrat. Was a Democrat. Lincoln decided to run him or run with him, as, with him being his running mate, because he wanted Lincoln's focus was on reunifying America at the conclusion of the Civil War, and he thought, and it was a pretty smart strategy. Um, I think Johnson was, I believe, from Tennessee. So you have a Southern Democrat uh, that ran with Lincoln, a Republican, and he won re-election. He didn't serve very much of that term. Johnson became president and never was elected president. He was elected vice president on the, the ticket, ticket with Lincoln. Um, and he served as president for the remainder of Lincoln's term, and then he lost in a re-election bid to Ulysses S. Grant in 1868. But as I was thinking of so that's that's the context, folks. I mean, we had an assassinated president. We had a civil war. We had slavery. We had the Emancipation Proclamation. We had all this stuff happening. We have multiple constitutional amendments, which are very rare, that happened during that time because of the turmoil, the chaos, the tumult that was caused by the Civil War, by the immorality of, of slavery, by some of the, uh, the, of course, the war. I mean, all this stuff, right? This was the context of the 14th Amendment, and they want you to believe that that's what Trump is guilty of, even though we have him on record saying to peacefully peacefully protest at the Capitol that day. Doesn't matter. That's insurrection. The word peaceable coming from Trump is worthy of being termed insurrection to these insane radicals, which, by the way, include Liz Cheney and um, what's the, I'm drawing a blank on Adam Kinzinger, two Republicans on that committee. In fact, some people think Liz Cheney would make a great running mate for Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Oh my goodness, if Joe Biden is to run again. This is this is just great stuff to me. Anyhow, I want to talk about this. I want to talk, I want to ask this question. I want you to think about it during the break. Who's our Lincoln today? Who's our Lincoln today? I, I really mean this. Because the Civil War was navigated by a great leader, and the Union was held together. Um, you don't want to give one man too much credit here, but I tell you, um, the, the the union was held together largely or to a, a large degree by the the leadership and the, the character of Abraham Lincoln. Not a perfect man, but my oh my, what a good a good man, a great leader. Who is that today? Who is that today? Lincoln stood firm on principle. He won the war, but yet he still found a way 
to preserve the union. I think that there's a teachable aspect, and that's why I wanted to talk about him as well since this thing came up. But we'll do that after the break. Sit tight, my friends. Listen to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. So who is who is the modern day Winkin? I, I just think, you know, I get we have fun on here. We mock liberals, all that, right? I I just think that today and, and I know look, Lincoln was a political fighter. I mean, lots of you probably know Lincoln's Lincoln's story. He he lost a lot of things, he failed a lot. And who knows, that might have been necessary to prepare him for what he was dealing with to deal with that sort of pressure. I don't know all that stuff, but I do know this. I do know this, that Lincoln was a political fighter, but Lincoln, in addition to winning the argument, which was, and winning the debate on some of these critical issues of the time, in addition to that, Abraham Lincoln sought, it was paramount that the Union was also preserved that the union was also preserved. And so I think about that today. I think about that. And, and candidly, it's kind of that. I never really thought about this until really today. Well, I may have come up in my mind a couple of times, but this is, this is really the mold of conservative, not bitter too. Um, to, it doesn't mean that you don't get, we don't get angry, fired up, fight hard, but it means I'm not bitter towards the people who are on the other side right now. Now, we have, believe me, folks, we have actual enemies to the Constitution of the United States of America. Those folks uh, should be viewed as such, too. Folks that want things that are antithetical, the opposite, the polar opposite of the what the founders framed in this great nation. But that's not most people. A lot of people are just on the other side of the political debate. They either are confused about things or they are stirred up to think that one thing is more important than the actual important thing all sorts of all sorts of things like that and that's why we we need we need someone who is prepared to fight and do whatever it takes to win the battle as Lincoln did with the civil war but also also to find a way find a way to rebuild this it, we're not it's I don't mean to compare it in literal sense to what we experienced during the civil war that was that was an just atrocious the, the casualties and the losses I mean people picked up weapons and went to battle against one another this is not the same thing but it is still a battle it is still a battle and how do you still fight hard enough to win the battle to be single-mindedly uh, single-minded on focusing that battle or fighting that battle while also realizing that once you win i have to be in a position to immediately transition to preserving the union to to finding a way to welcome back those that were literally in the time of civil war picking up arms and fighting against those of those on our side we're, we haven't reached that point but we have we have a, a lot of fighting going on 
And I just look around today and I think, you know, there's a lot of folks that want to be the first to Twitter, the first to make the snarky comment. I don't know. I mean, it just doesn't impress me. It really doesn't. I think that gets lost in the chaos and the noise. And I'm not saying that's not important. or I'm, I'm just saying that there's more to this. There's more to this. And, and as I'm thinking about the 14th Amendment, which is what they want to interject here or, or to put to use potentially – so that President Trump cannot win or run, even run, in 2024. As I think about all these things and I think about Lincoln, I find myself wondering, where, who is our Lincoln today? And make no mistake, Lincoln was, Lincoln was a fighter too, right? I mean, Lincoln, Lincoln fought. He wasn't just a guy that was only interested on finding peace, but he understood that you had to win the war, and then you also had to work to find ways to preserve the union and to work with people who were, you know, months earlier fighting a war against you. And we're not quite to that point, but there certainly are similarities with the the amount of hatred. I mean, we have people cheering for the unvaccinated to get COVID and die. I think that that's, that's pretty serious. I mean, that's, that's one step short of just shooting them themselves, themselves. I don't know. We've come a long way. We need we need to focus on winning, of course, first, but also um, moving the needle in a good direction, preserving the union without compromising principle. And you know, Lincoln didn't do that. Didn't Lincoln didn't compromise principles? I just think that that's that's important to do here. We've got to focus. And I, I just I look around. Where is that that person? Trump's got the fight. I don't know. I think, I think, <laughs> I don't know. I think that Trump has the ability if people say, you know what, I want to work with you. I think Trump's willing to do that. We've not ever seen it because that's not the way that they've dealt with Trump. They want to fight with Trump. They want to malign Trump. They want to demonize Trump. And Trump says, fine, I'll throw it right back in your face. Anyway, friends, quick timeout. Plenty more to get to today. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back here in just a minute. Welcome back, my friend. So, I want... Oh, gee. So, shifting gears here just a, a little bit. I, I had seen this the other day. I had seen this the other day. Let me pull this up here. Um... Ba, 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 ba. Where is this? Here it is. This was a Rasmussen survey. In fact, my my wife sent this to me today, and I told her that I'd seen this. This was published last Thursday, but I just hadn't gotten around to talking about this. A Rasmussen survey. So keep in mind what I just what we we're just talking about. You know, reunifying this country. That's that that's important. But we also have to be realistic of what we're dealing with here and the threats from many Democrats today, many Democrats. So this is a headline, Rasmussen reports, COVID-19, Democratic voters support harsh measures against the unvaccinated. So they did a poll, Rasmussen did a poll that found um, 48% of voters, these are Democrats. Wait a minute, is this Democrats? I know that they specifically talked about uh, Democrats in part of this, but 48% um, like the COVID-19 vaccine mandate on large companies and government agencies. 
Um, then we get to, well, of course, Fauci is viewed. How Fauci is viewed. Where's where is this here? Um, here we go. Getting into some, some harsher, harsher punishments for the unvaccinated. Seventy five percent of likely Democratic voters have a favorable opinion of Dr. Fauci. Fifty eight percent of voters would oppose a proposal. Um, so general voters to find Americans who chose not to get the COVID vaccine. However, 55% of Democratic voters, so a majority of Democratic voters, would support a federal or state government fining people who didn't get the COVID-19 vaccination. 60, let's see, 59% of Democratic voters would favor a government policy requiring that citizens remain confined to their homes at all times. This is like Australia, what the northern provinces of Australia, I think, is what, where we find this. Except for emergencies that they refuse to get the COVID-19 vac- uh, vaccination. Nearly half, 48% of Democratic voters think federal and state governments should be able to fine or imprison individuals. <laughs> I'm just thinking, will there be an outbreak of COVID-19 in the prisons then? Which... The left loves the hardened criminal. who They're probably letting them out so that they can make room to put people who don't get vaccinated in the prisons. I mean, Oh, no, that, that's not even – I misspoke. That's not even for those who didn't get the vaccine. That is for people who publicly question the efficacy of the existing COVID-19 vaccines on social media, television, radio, or in online and digital publications. That includes George Truly, my friends. They want to put me in the clink, put me in the. They probably want to put me in the hole, <laughs> isolation for these folks. This is this is the this is the worst crime you can commit in the minds of many of today's Democratic voters. Yikes! What an utter disgrace to think that. Back in just a minute. <laughs> Folks, that is unfortunately all the time that I have. But just the takeaway from today is there is a healthy chunk of today's Democratic Party. And I give, look, I, I, I admit and tell you that I think that there are a lot of folks in the Democrat Party that would actually agree with a lot of the things we talk about on this show. But also, there's a lot, perhaps as many as half, that want to see people like me thrown in the clink. Locked away in the hole, isolation, de- probably Gitmo. They probably would be in favor of waterboarding us. I don't know if that was a question. It probably should have been. They probably would suddenly be okay with that. That is how they've been, I'm going to say, just straight out brainwashed to this whole situation. What an utter disgrace. I've got to go, folks. Have a great day. SDG. See you tomorrow. Take care.